welcome to the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla Rotary District 5810. My name's Greg Tupper. I'm joined by the man they call Josie, our extraordinaire of AV. He is Andrew Josie Utz. Well, hello, Greg. And uh, is that a shot? It's not a shot. No, it's not a shot because so we were at it was Rila it's it's Rila Roundup right so what's called R- Rila Roundup yeah Rila Roundup which is basically when uh we all get together and we get together with our wonderful uh Rotary uh, designees right uh, from from each club yes. and uh, kind of talk them uh through the process of getting camp going and how to recruit uh, campers and 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 the you know all the nitty gritty stuff um that goes on behind the scenes. And there was a video that you guys were trying to play that, and I want to thank our, our gracious hosts at Brookhaven uh, College, but like there was some sort of disconnect uh, technology wise. And I just appreciate you guys not giving up and you guys got that video on the freaking air. And that is, that is amazing. We've got a little bit of Murphy's Law going on, and I won't take up too much of our time. Whenever technology happens, like no matter how many times you rehearse or plug it in, it's never, it's not going to work, right? When right. you're, when you have a room full of people. Um, in early on in my AV troubleshooting days, it really bothered me and got, I got real nervous when like something wasn't working in a room full of people. But then I realized you guys don't know what you're missing. <laughs> and and we'll figure it out eventually like it may be five or ten minutes we may have to swap the schedule around but um yeah i appreciate that yeah uh, no i thought i i thought that everybody worked very hard to get that on the air and i just appreciate your hustle yes um so well done. also also shout out if uh if you're building a building let me stress mm-hmm. to you the importance of hdmi as a technology that's all mm. I'm going to say. Mm. This is your uh, – this is the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla Rotary District 5810. We do thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us. Um, coming up here in just a little bit, and I know I can say this confidently because we've already recorded it and I'm <laughs> going to make it uh, through the miracle of editing. Um, you will hear from our good friend Bradley Atuba uh, about all things in his world and his uh, Ryla story, uh, what it's like to be an actor. I ask him about failure, which feels uncomfortable, but like I did it. Um, but we we had a great conversation with with Bradley, uh, one of our one of our one of our faves. You're all our faves, but Bradley's actually one of our faves. Am I allowed to say well, that? Well put, well put. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we will uh, hear from Bradley Atuba coming up here at the back out the program. So we are recording this on January 31st, which is a Tuesday, and it's a Tuesday that'll go down in Dallas Fort Worth infamy. <clears throat> Not only is the um, the uh the day that that Tepper for some reason started losing his voice, but also uh because today was uh it wasn't a snow day, but it was like a it was like an ice day, you know? Yeah. And uh and and I want to know how you spent your ice day. I I spent my ice day um working, but uh, we also didn't have childcare, so shout out to Joni for for okay. also working and um and parenting most of the day. Um, one thing I will say about the ice day is early in the morning, I heard an opportunity for thunder sleet. Yes. 
is is a phenomenon I have never experienced, and I got to experience that today. I love that as a concept. I love it just conceptually. Yes, the the idea of thunder sleep. Um, but yeah, we, how was your how was your ice day? Yeah, so uh, both my kids were home because um, <clears throat> their their school was closed, and so and then my wife was her school was closed as well. She's a teacher, and so it was all four of us at at the house. Today was actually I don't want this to be a woe is me moment, but today was actually supposed to be like a personal day for me. Mm. I was gonna like get some stuff done, you know, have a nice relaxing day. And, um, and then it was just, it ended up being like full, full core press. And mm-hmm. I'll just tell you that I don't know. There's a lot of things that are better as you get older, but let me tell you that one thing that gets decidedly worse as you get older is snow days. <laughs> like that, that trajectory is only one wide traffic. The older you get, the worse it gets. Is it, that fair? It, that that's fair and that or at is the that... very least like if you're after you get past the age of like 21 then it certainly goes downhill from there like like maybe perhaps the the burden of responsibilities that envelops you upon the age of 21 22 makes snow days measurably worse oh more hassle than, <clears throat> excuse me more hassle than they're worth oh my gosh Oh, man. <coughs> See, I'm just, my kids are getting me sick, too. It's terrible. Oh. Anyway, I'll edit this out. I wanted this out. <laughs> anyway, all that's to say that um, if and when you have the opportunity to stay at home with a four-year-old and a one-year-old um, and just plant them in front of Blaze and the Monster Machines for hours, uh, you got to take that opportunity, which is what we do today. Uh, all right, let's get this show on the road. Um, Josie has drawn what I consider to be the, uh, the long straw because he gets the big segment, the opening segment of this here, the opening salvo of this here, Rylacast. And so here with a something to think about, which I think was the original name of the big segment before we just started calling it the big segment, uh, is Josie. Well, thanks, Greg. Yes. Yes. Drew the long straw today. And I feel like this goes along the lines of our, of our thunder sleet phenomenon um i was i was taking a a page out of your book and perusing the the harvard business review love it and came across an article by eben harrell uh titled the power of everyday awe and Hmm. um awe 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 yes not aww that's an important Hmm. distinction now that you mention that awe and, uh, and the summary is, in times of tumult, we need comfort, healing, and inspiration. A good way to find them is by appreciating the vast and wondrous things that transcend us, according to several new books. Hmm. Uh, and that's something to think about. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's be a short podcast. Uh, this, I, I find this, if I can step on my, my fatherhood soapbox uh, for a moment, uh, you may have mentioned this on the podcast several episodes ago, um, but this idea of experiencing firsts through my son's eyes is yeah. is awe-inspiring. So um, this article essentially talks about how, uh, you know, in, in 2020, um, 
the focus was all on kind of not tw- not twenty twenty as a year, but I guess if pre pandemic kind of grit and this growth mindset and grinding it out, and now you know there's just been an emotional and physical toll over the past couple of years, and there's a a renewed feeling on on kind of how to experience awe. And uh, sorry, go. You were yeah. I was going to say I do think I think that that's an interesting point because I do think there's been a bit of a revolt against like grind culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I feel like I can look cause you know, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's just, it's the like, Oh, you gotta like never stop working and that kind of stuff. And I feel like in, even in the last like three to five years, I feel like there has been like a sizable and noticeable pushback against that, which I would like to be a part of, because I think that that's, that's, I think you don't want to work yourself to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, but I, I think that's really interesting that like, yeah, the, the grit and you get to put your nose to the grindstone 24 seven, that has kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. Yeah, no. And, and, and there's, there's a couple different books. Uh, apparently a lot of people write about awe. Um, mm. and there's a, there's an author who's a psychologist at the university of California, Berkeley named Dasher Keltner. Uh, and he defines, um, awe as the feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends your current understanding of the world. Um, and, a and a way to kind of a way to evoke awe is to, is something called the overview effect, which is envisioning yourself or the world from a great distance. Mm. And, um, I don't know, I may call this daydreaming, but, uh, Mm. it's, it's fascinating to me to think about, uh, and this, this may be a little controversial. So I'm going to discuss, I'm going to preemptively say that everything we do and you do in your life is significant. I'm also going to say it is incredible to think about what I, I won't say you, what I am doing today from the view of like someone in the international space station. Yes. Like the potential insignificance of me taking some notes, getting ready to interview. Well, you already pulled back the curtain having just interviewed Bradley. Like, yes. like the number of things going on in this world truly is awe inspiring. Um, As a great man once said, I think everything's happening a lot more than we think it is. Yes. Yes. Agree. Retweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think yeah the the author says that to find awe, we must look for these eight wonders of life. And full disclosure, I've just uh, I've read this article. I haven't read his books um, yet, but uh, the most common um, wonders of life are nature, music, visual design, and moral beauty, which is described as when we witness people helping other people. Oh, which I like I, that moral beauty. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think that's, I, I can click onto that because when, you know, when something happens in the world, um, I can't remember who, who wrote, I read this somewhere, someone told me that look for the people running towards like disaster and look mm-hmm. for the helpers. And I think that's very awe inspiring when we see kind of the collective rise up and, and help each other. Um, less common in terms of wonders of life, uh, but often more profound are quote unquote collective effervescence. 
uh, you know, like what fans madly cheering together in sports stadiums feel, mm-hmm. um, spiritual experiences, epiphanies, which is when we learn something unexpected that may change our worldview. Um, and then, of course, you know, births and deaths, life's the beginning of life, the ending of life. Um, but yeah, research shows that experiencing awe produces a multitude of positive effects, uh, makes us calmer, kinder, more creative, and less likely to cheat. Hmm. Um, which feels like a throw in there at the end. Um, it reigns in the ego and helps us feel more connected to the earth and to other creatures. Which, which I guess makes sense if you're envisioning how you kind of fit into this whole um, rock. This big blue marble. The sun. Yeah, the big blue marble. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so came across this article and, and awe is one of those things that I, I find inspiring at times and just kind of, it helps, it helps ground me. Um, and I think, I think we could all stand to learn a little bit by just, um, but just taking a step back and really, you know, seeing what we do through the lens of how others may see us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's tips on, uh, tips or, or studies that show that, uh, micro dosing on yeah. awe is, is possible. Um, and they have in this article, they have, uh, you know, an, an art emotions map website that features pictures of famous artworks that are supposed to elicit certain feelings. Um, but yeah, all I'm, uh, I'm here to, to give you some support and say like, think of something awesome. Yeah. I like that. I like that. We, we, we spend so much time, um, you know, working on ourselves and working on self-improvement and trying to be the best that we can. But I do think it's, it's important to take a moment to take a step back and, and just appreciate, appreciate the little things in life, the things that, that, that make us, that make us awe inspired and also make us go awe. So like, if you want to follow like a, like a, like a puppy Instagram account or something like that. Right. I'd Pro puppy or get ready for the puppy bowl. That's right. Which is coming up. It's coming up. Coming up. Yeah. Keep up. Thanks, Josie. Thanks, Greg. Um, so that's, uh, Josie with the, uh, the big segment. Now we've got a special treat for you. We're going to be joined by Bradley Atuba to talk a little bit about what he's got going on. Here's our conversation with Bradley Atuba here on the Rylocast. Oh, Josie. Oh, Greg. You know, here on the Rylocast, our New Year's resolution was to book the very best and brightest guests. And that's why I'm so excited that we, uh, you know, we're a month into the into the new year and we've uh, we've we're already on a heater. We're pleased to be joined by, I think, both of our friends. I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. He's my oh, friend. you can speak for me. He's my okay. friend. All right. Both of our friends. We're joined by our friend, our mutual friend, Bradley Atuva. Hey, Bradley. What's up, everybody? Um, so I guess first and foremost, thanks for your time. This was a, a tough book to get you on the show. Yes, um, yes, yes, it was. We went because because you have uh, you have layers and layers of um, of representation that we had to sift through mm-hmm. in order to get you, and mm-hmm. and definitely um, definitely didn't happen because we saw each other on Saturday, and you said, "Hey, when am I going to be on the <laughs> podcast?" That would be. 
that's a false narrative that's out there. And we want to clear, we want to clear the air on that. I don't think I've seen y'all since camp. So I, I yeah. don't, yeah. And there's certainly no photos of us in the same room at the same time in the last like 72 hours. Couldn't think of it. I don't know. Certainly not. Nope. Not at all. Um, well, Bradley, we do appreciate your time. Um, I, I want to start this this uh, this with a, a question that we ask a lot of people when when they they come on the podcast, which is I'm interested in hearing your Ryla story and and how you came to be involved with the program. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't think I've told the story in a while. Um, so I was a camper back in 2013. Um, I recently realized that this summer I'll be celebrating my 10 year anniversary, um, Mm. which Uh makes me feel a little old. Um, but Hey, we're here. Um, and, uh, I was, I went to Lancaster high school, um, go Tigers. Um, and I was sitting, I think I was sitting down like social studies or something. And my counselor called me to his office, uh, Mr. Perry, and he just handed me a pamphlet and a flyer and started talking to me about Ryla. He was like, honestly, I don't know much about this program. <laughs> However, it's for leaders, and I think you're a leader, and I think um, you'll do well at this camp, and it'll be, you'll have a great time. I looked in it. Um, I looked in the flyer, and I was like, oh, these people look like they're having a lot of fun. Uh, I told my parents about it, and they said, yeah, and I did it. And it was the best, best, best experience I've ever had in my life. Um, have made lifelong friends, including you two. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's, I think it was one of the first um, events and experiences that has informed and impacted um the man I am today. So, yeah. Um, 2013. Okay. So I feel like that was just yesterday too, Bradley. So it's not just you. Um, <laughs> so, so I how... personally, as a 2003 camper, I personally don't want to hear it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> So how would you say, Bradley, that you use Ryla in your everyday life? Oh, I, st- I still use it every single day. Um, so I currently teach at, um, I'm an actor and an educator in the DFW area. And I currently teach at Booker T. Washington, the performing arts high school. Um, and I teach at SMU, um, both in Dallas. And... Um, especially with my SMU kids, I teach a non-majors class. So it's a it's an acting class for non-majors. So I have your business and finance and engineering and nursing. All the students are, aren't theater. Um, you know, if I'm being honest with myself and um, calming down my ego, most of them are uh, taking the class to fulfill a fine arts elective. Um, however, I don't really think about that. I'm like, all of you want to be here. Y'all were waiting for, uh, to be in my class. That's how I, that's the perspective I like to take. Um, and the ultimate goal, the dream of the class is getting these kids to step out of their comfort zone, which, um, we try to do in Ryla as well. And, uh, 
for the students at SMU, for the non-majors, I find it so interesting and so funny and also at the same time kind of like heart-wrenching how because of like society's pressures and um when you're in elementary and middle school in high school people say oh you're not cool this is cool this is not cool um this person is cool you're not cool if you wear this you're not cool if you do this and because of all of that um students children humans just start to like cave in and protect themselves from everything and everybody and the goal of the class is just like can we tap back into what it felt like to be a kid again and the innocence that you had and the lack of care you had for embarrassing yourselves you were just in your own world in your own lane um, so it's tapping back into that um, and getting them to be themselves authentically and unapologetically uh, to step out of their comfort zones. And yeah, I learned that from Ryla and I try to teach her every single day. Okay. that That's interesting. And I, as a non-theater major, I actually appreciate that there's a, a non-theater uh, let me make sure I, I, I pronounce this correctly. Uh, an acting class for non-majors, because that would be intimidating, even if it, you know, I, I tend to agree that it's not just to satisfy a fine arts credit. It's because you are the teacher, uh, Bradley. Hmm. But how did you even, like, get into, what what brought you to teaching at, at Booker T and, uh, and SMU? Well, um, so I went to grad school. Uh, I recently received my MFA in acting from SMU in May of 2022. And while in grad school, we were on a, um, my cohort, uh, we're on like a scholarship. And a part of the scholarship is we teach non-majors. And because of the pandemic, uh, the next class of SMU grads weren't recruited. So um, this year, the, uh, they have their first year grads now, but they don't have enough credits to teach until their second year. So um, me and one of my classmates uh, were brought back on by the chair of the department to teach this final year before the second years come back on next year, uh, if that makes sense. And for Booker T, uh, which is funny enough, I actually auditioned for Booker T when I was going into my junior and senior year. I auditioned twice. Um, I auditioned for it when I was in high school, but didn't get in. I got put on the wait list because I lived out of district. Um, And now turn around, like years later, um, I was offered a job from two um, mentors and respected actors and um, artists in the industry in Dallas. Uh, They offered me a job to teach the advanced acting seniors. Um, So yeah, it's funny and crazy how life works. So, okay. So you, you are obviously very successful, but I'm, I'm also interested because you are, because of your line of work, there is an inherent uh, element of failure 
and kind of um, how do I want to put this? Uh, an, an amount of failure that I think some people could uh, assume is personal. Do you know what I mean? Like you're putting yourself out there uh, with these auditions and things like that. And I'm interested, you know, for, for people who are hearing this, how you have come to process, understand and and work through something that I think would be really defeating for a lot of people. But obviously you've found ways to, to rise, rise above it. I'm, I'm interested in, in, in what kind of advice you would have for people who are who are facing down those types of challenges oh man that's a good one thank you if i'm being honest i'm still learning and navigating um through that um as we speak um however i do have a lot of mentors uh that have um given me advice and i keep telling myself every single day um the main advice I've been given by um, one of my mentors, Tiana, is what's for you will come to you. And if it doesn't come to you, it wasn't meant for you. Um, and, you know, my so that sounds great and it, it is great um, and it's been great to live by. However, I what I struggle with, and I'm sure a lot of artists and a lot of humans uh, struggle with as well, what I struggle with is my inner judges come out to play a lot. So your inner judges are um, the voices in your head that when you're looking in the mirror that says, oh, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too this, you're too that. You're not funny. You're not cute. You're not all these things. Um so my energies has come out to play saying, hey, you're not enough. Hey, this is, you're not successful. Hey, you're not making enough money right now. Hey, you didn't get this part because of X, Y, and Z, all of these things. And I'm not going to lie and say that I don't hear them and that they don't exist. However, I do my best in listening to them because they're there and letting it pass through me, but knowing that this too shall pass. Um, and if I'm like sad right now, if I got a rejection, if I got a no from somebody, this too shall pass. Um, just because I'm sad right now doesn't mean I'm going to be sad in a couple of days. I know today is direct is a redirection to another yes, maybe in a week, maybe in a month, maybe in a year. Hmm. But I feel like it all comes back to what's for you will come to you and what's not for you will not. Hmm. Um, and so to, to kind of circle back to, to, to Ryla and the program, I'm interested, you know, you mentioned that you are, um, you, you said how ancient you are because it's going to be 10 years since you went to camp. And my goodness, wow. could you imagine? Um <laughs> But but my question is is why stay involved? There's a lot of people who have come and gone over the past decade, and and you've been you've been a a, a steady force within the the, the Ryla program. What what is it that keeps you involved? Keeps you coming back? Oh, um, I keep coming back because it 
Well, honestly, it's a selfish reason. Um, <laughs> Let it rip, maybe. <laughs> just because I just I love it so freaking much. It's just so cool. And when I'm there, even when I'm not there, when I'm just thinking about it, I still re- wear my Riley backpack to this day. Um, but when I'm there, it just feels like nothing else exists. And I... I'm in my happy place. I'm in my safe haven and I'm protected. I feel held. Um, But I keep coming back for that. And also, you know, when I was a senior uh, going into my senior year of high school and I came to camp, I was just overwhelmed with the grace and the care and the tenderness and the love that Ryla had for me. Um, and I would love my mission coming back every single year uh, was to be that representation and be that person for the next year, uh, for the campers. And um, yeah, I, I, I could talk all day about Ryla, but there has been people that have been put in my life, inc- again, including you two, that I look up to. Um, some are gone. Some are still here. Um, but I have always wanted to, when it comes down to it, I feel like I've always wanted to leave a legacy. And I know in my heart of hearts that Ryla is a part of my legacy. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you, Bradley. Um and then now we come to the time in the podcast where we invite all our esteemed, distinguished guest guests to plug something. It could be a podcast, show, book, yourself, Ryla. Um, but but the floor is now yours to to plug away. Hmm. Well, I would always like to plug in myself. If you don't know me, get to know me. I'm a cool dude. Um, hard, hard agree. Can <laughs> confirm. Don't be afraid of me. Um, uh, but yes, uh, so I like to plug in myself. But for real, um, what would I like to plug in? So I love um, films and TV shows. I binge them. I'm currently on a binging spree of films. I one of the um, highlights of the year is getting ready for the Oscars. And um, so currently I just finished binging Tar with Kate Blanchett and Causeway with Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry and um, a couple of other films. However, there's this one film that has, that did not get nominated and I feel some type of way about it. All right. There's this one film called The Woman King with Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, starred, and I believe she produced it as well. Um, and it is amazing. It is truly amazing. So The Woman King that got snubbed from the Oscars. Um, and also... Two shows <laughs> from scratch on Netflix with Zoe Saldana. It's amazing. And The Last of Us, which is currently streaming on HBO Max. I've had a lot of people recommend that. That's been all over my Twitter. 
Okay. I, I have a- it's, 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 oh my God. Episode three just came out on Sunday and I cried. It's so good. I have, I have a follow-up to The Last of Us. Yes. Okay. Have you played the game? Yeah, it's a video the, the game, show right? is based off of. Yeah. No, I haven't. However, on my Twitter feed, it's like all over my Twitter feed, and it's like comparing and contrasting the game to the actual show and just saying how amazing it is that it's it's literally basically the same thing, same outfits, same um, movements, same everything. So I can only imagine how great it is to have that POV of playing the game and now watching it in real life. That that would be amazing. Have you, Josie? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm a bit of a nerd, and um, my younger brother told me that The Last of Us was coming out and I should play the game, and so I binged the game before episode one. Is that a thing? Do people binge weeks. the game? I mean, like, I had, like, a day job, and I'm a parent, so when I say binge, <laughs> it took yeah. me, like, seven months to, to play the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, uh, like, absolutely agree. When HBO, I'm a little HBO fanboy, mm-hmm. um, when I found out it was HBO that was doing the series, I was like, okay, this this has some potential. And like the little thread that is the gameplay, like the like episode three perfectly spun in terms of like how how a show can can enhance whether it's based on a book or a game or whatever. Highly recommend the game. It's a little scary. Oh. Ooh. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, highly recommend. I don't like spooky things. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, but then finally, my final my final question for Bradley Atube, our guest, is that if you are binging all of the uh, Best Picture nominees, do you have a pick right now, a pick to click for Best Picture? Ooh, Best Picture? I got a... I actually haven't pulled up the Best Picture nominees. Okay, here we go. Let me go back to it. Um... Oh yeah, that's okay. I haven't watched all of them. I okay. still need to watch Avatar, but I don't think that's going to be the W for me. Um, and I still need to watch the Fablemans and that's a Spielberg one. Yes, and then I still need to watch All Quiet on the Western Front and Woman. My Talk. folks watched it. Now they're you know my folks, so you know imagine <laughs> how old I am. But they watched it. They thought it was great. Okay. I was planning on watching it probably like tomorrow. However, my top pick, if I have to choose, which that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing, is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay. Have y'all watched it? I have not, but again, that's another thing that has been that if 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 these if these you know if these if these wiener kids weren't in my way, then, then I could watch all these <laughs> all these awesome things. Um, but uh, but but yeah, it's been recommended to me multiple times. Yeah, it's probably the most brilliant film I have ever watched in my life. Wow, um, mm. it's it's just it's it's truly brilliant, Josie and okay. Ted. It's brilliant. And it's the per after you watch it, it's the perfect title. It's the perfect title. Everything, okay. everywhere, all at once. Well, our guest is Bradley Atuba, and he is everything, everywhere, all at once for us. <laughs> uh, Bradley, we appreciate your time, and thank you for uh, for coming on the Rylacast. Thank you for having me.
thanks once again to Bradley Atuva, our special guest here on the Rylacast. It's now my turn to take us home, Josie. And actually, this is going to be our our last podcast before the Super Bowl. The, mm. su- the superb owl. And I don't know if you know this, but um, I'm a bit of a bit of a sports nut. Um, I've heard. Yeah. And actually, if you are interested, this is the first ever meeting of Texas high school football quarterbacks in the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, who went to White House, and Jalen Hurts, who went to Channel View. It's also the first ever meeting of black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Uh, a lot of firsts here. It's the first ever meeting of two brothers in the Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey mm. and Jason Kel- uh, Jason Kelsey. Is that his name? Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that they are, uh, yeah. So, uh, a lot, a lot of firsts going on, uh, with this particular superb owl, but it, I, I don't, I, I'd love to tell you that I know exactly how I got to this, but, um, I started thinking about one of my all time favorite sports stories. And I'd like to tell you the story of one of my all time favorite sports stories, if that's okay. I am all ears for that. Josie. And I promise you for those who aren't in the sports that this does have a Rylicast tie at the end. <laughs> Josie, do you know who Stephen Bradbury is? Okay, I've heard the name. Okay. So Stephen, let me see if I can, let me see if, tell me when, like, something dings for you, okay? Okay. Okay. Stephen Bradbury is Australian. Okay. No, nothing. Okay. Nothing. Stephen Bradbury is the only, I'm sorry, the first athlete from the Southern Hemisphere to win a Winter Olympic gold medal. Okay. Do you know anything about this story? I don't think I do, oh, actually. I'm so happy to tell you this story. So, okay. Stephen Bradbury is a speed skater. the a short, tra- short track speed skater, okay, from okay. Australia. And you are thinking, wow. They'll do anything anywhere, won't they? And you're right. They will. They speed skate in Australia. He was part of, actually, in 1994, he won Australia's first ever Winter Olympic medal, a bronze medal in 1994, as part of a short track uh, relay team. Okay? But what he is best known for is in 2002 in Salt Lake City. So in Salt Lake City... um. Stephen Bradbury is in the uh, he wins his heat and he's he's in the 1000 meters. OK, the 1000 meters of short track um, speed skating. Um, and he wins his heat it's going pretty well. Things are great. He gets to the quarterfinals and in the quarterfinals. He gets put in the same race as I'm going to. This is a name from the past that maybe you recognize. Maybe you don't. Apollo Anton Ono. Okay. Yes, when you say speed skating, that's literally the yeah. only name I recognize. Got it. Apollo okay. Antonono. So he's in the same quarterfinal as him, plus Mark Gagnon of Canada, the defending world champion in the quarterfinal. It is done and dusted from here because only the top two from each each mm. uh, each uh, quarterfinal go through to the semifinals. Okay? Done and dusted. And sure enough, Bradbury finishes third, and it's over. <clears throat> Except Gagnon was disqualified for obstructing another racer. So he moves in to the semifinals by that most wonderful word, default. Mm. So he gets in to the semifinals. But now, I mean, you're in the semifinals of the Olympics. These are like the world's best speed skaters. Things are going bad. And sure enough, the semifinal starts and Stephen Bradbury's in last place. 
well off the pace of the metal favorites, just just falling way behind. But then, defending Olympic champion from South Korea, uh, Kim Dong Sung, and multiple Olympic cha- medalist Lee Jin Wan from China and Mathieu Turcotte from Canada all crash. Oh, no. So it paves the way for Stephen Bradbury to take first place and move into the final. Okay? So now okay. he's in the final with the guy who finished second in that in that race who got up, Turcotte. He got up and was able to finish second. Plus Apollo Anton Ono. Plus, like, two other people. Okay? Okay. And he is – he is so it's there's five people in this final. Obviously, he's thinking – Okay, what's like what's going on here? This is just this is nuts, but certainly can't all happen. Into the final corner of the race, and all four of his opponents crash into one another, and Stephen Bradbury wins the gold medal. I'm not kidding. This happens. This is on YouTube. You can go watch it. It's incredible. I've watched it like a hundred times. It is the most incredible Olympic story of all time. <clears throat> and it's one of my favorite sports stories. Okay. Okay. Um, now, here's the thing is that there is a – I think Stephen Bradbury is a pretty remarkable story. He actually in September 2000, two years before the Winter Olympics, he broke his neck in a training accident. He oh, was in a I... halo brace for a month and a half. He had to have pins inserted in his in his in his skull and and in his back and his chest and stuff like really terrible stuff. He comes back to win the win win the um the the gold medal. And I think afterwards, of course, everyone wants to talk to him because he just won the gold medal. And but like he won it in this kind of I don't want to say fluky way, but mm-hmm. he did. And I thought he had a great quote, and this is the quote that brings it all together for a Ryla story. This is the quote from him. He goes. I don't think I'll take the medal as the minute and a half of the race that I actually won. I'll take it as the last decade of the hard slog I put in. And I wow. like that a lot. I like, I like that, that a lot. lot. Like, yes, did Stephen Bradbury get a little bit lucky in, in Salt Lake City? Yes. Go watch the tape. It's remarkable. He got a little bit lucky. But he also earned his way there. And I think that... Just because things break your way to get you the gold medal doesn't mean you didn't earn what you got. And so I I like that quote. I think that that's, a, that's both a humble and accurate way of approaching uh, challenges like that where, yeah, you know what? Maybe things didn't go great the entire way, but I fought through and I got myself into a position to succeed. And that's the most important thing. So there's the story of Stephen Bradbury, Australia's only Winter Olympic gold medalist and the only Winter Olympic gold medalist from the Southern Hemisphere. I really like that. Yeah. The story, the message, the whole bit. Yeah. So there you go. There's there's the story of Stephen Bradbury, uh, <laughs> uh, my, one of my favorite sports stories. Incredible. So, there you go. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Um, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for being, uh, thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Please go to the, the, the podcast or I'm sorry, the website, which is Ryla 5810.org for all things camp Ryla rotary district 5810. Um, if you like this podcast, please rate and subscribe and tell a friend and here with an antiquated way of telling a friend about the Ryla cast is Josie. Yes. Thank you, Greg. A little bit longer today. So the pony express was mm. a mail delivery service. 
that communities used throughout the Grain Plains and across the Rockies in the early 1860s. Using a series of relay stations, messages could be delivered coast to coast in just 10 days. Pony Express was also the name of the backfield of the SMU football team in the Pony 80s. Up. Pony Up. Pony Excess, wonderful 30 for 30 about SMU, Pony Express. So... In the spirit of Pony Express, since Bradley works at SMU, oh, Antiquated wow. Way is going to the horseshoe at SMU yep. and telling folks to listen to the Riley cast. That's brilliant. Josie, thanks for your courage. Thanks, Greg. Talk to you next time on the Riley cast. Mm-hmm.